Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be in God's house. How many of you are doing all right? We are going to jump back into God's Word. Do you have a Bible today? Would you break it open to the book of Ephesians? It's back there in the New Testament. And um, before we get going, I wanted to, there was a few things I was supposed to share, and now I'm not remembering any of them. That's the first sign of old age. You know that, right? I don't remember what it was I was supposed to talk about but I'm here. But you know what? We, um, I want to share a gift really quick before we get into the message, if that's okay. I think we have time. I got, I got a short sermon for you today, I promise. But um, you know this year we celebrated 35 years as a church. How many of us know that? Right? Um, so we did actually cornerstone, all of us as a cornerstone family, we had a gift for Pastor Greg, but um, the gift was like three months late on arrival. And so I wanted to actually show you guys what we as a church, um, you know, Pastor Greg, he's been pastoring in Vegas for like 45 years and uh, something like that. It's something crazy. And Cornerstone celebrated our 35th year as a church and just a lot happening. And so kind of like when we, we thanked our, our wonderful sound man, Rob, for serving for 35 years on sound, there's no way to really like honor a pastor enough for all the things Cornerstone has been able to partner with people throughout the valley for 35 years. But I wanted to show you what we bought Pastor Greg, if that's okay. You guys ready for it? Now, this would only be better if you follow the Golden Knights. The only thing that would make this better is if they would actually win in these jerseys. All right? I promise, right? But something's... So check this out. There we go. So what I liked about it was... Where's, where's PG at? Where are you at? See he here? He's, he's here today. I know I saw him. Oh, there he is. So come up here really quick because we can, we can talk about this really fast. Although fast and the last name Massonary, I'm with you. It just doesn't happen for us, right? Sure, sure. If you want to, he's like, can I stay down? But actually what I wanted to show you guys this was, yes, it's a hockey jersey, but we chose the number 77 because I thought this was pretty cool. And uh, the reason we chose this number was not only because you moved to Las Vegas in 1977. I see Joe over there shaking his head because you were like one of the first guys he met in this little boom town called Las Vegas. And then also, even cooler than that, we went through your old paperwork in the garage this last summer. You were doing it with my sister, Colby, and they found his first ordination from the church he was the youth pastor at, and PG got ordained. Now, we love the number seven, right, in Las Vegas. Y'all act like you'd never put anything in a machine here. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Seven? What's that? Right? We want you to hit seven. You can give more, right? Tithe more. No, tease. I don't even, is that biblical? Uh, watch out when we go off the cuff, right? Uh, but Pastor Greg got ordained July 7th, 1977. So, 7777. How many? That's pretty cool. So, for some reason, the custom shop up there in Summerlin took forever to get this done, but that was kind of the heart behind it, along with trying to send you guys to a game and all that good stuff. So anyways, that was our gift that we gave him in October. Pretty cool. 
right? I thought it'd be cool because we did buy that and uh, we wanted to make sure. Some people were like, did we do anything special for Pastor Greg? He's like, well, we did, but it's on delay. Um, <laughs> goodness, goodness. Well, welcome as you're here. All right, a little bit of a start, but yes, open up your Bible to the book of Ephesians. We are in week two of 21 days of prayer. Uh, our, our denomination, the Foursquare Church, all around the world, all around the nation, uh, we are participating in 21 days of prayer and, and fasting. And, and last week we spoke about praying powerful prayers. Raise your hand if you were with us last Sunday. We spoke about like, what is it about us that in our prayer life, we often like to kind of play it safe. And so we spoke about some reasons why we, we possibly consistently don't get into the prayer room, why we consistently don't get into God's presence. Maybe some of us feel uh, intimidated talking to God the Father. Maybe some of us feel uh, uh, awkward praying in public. And I went through some, some of the, you know, the, the biggest response I got last week was, uh, and, and I think I've done all of these so I can kind of joke about it, but where's all of my hard hand holders at? Raise your hand if you just like to squeeze somebody really, really, there you go, big guy, right? Yeah, you make us feel small when you do that, right? Where's all my, my anybody here like sometimes guilty of just praying and you don't get, you give everybody like a, you just don't even like squeezing their hand, like the dead fish hand? Anybody ever do that? No, some of us. Uh, what about the over, how many of you like to, if you have to hold hands, which I'm not a huge fan of that, I'll be honest, right? But if you have to hold hands, do you like to go over or do you like to go under? Raise your hand if you like to go, right? Who, who's, who's got the, I'm more of the, uh, right? Oh, is, is, do most of us like to go under? All right, all right, all right. And then how many of you, and I remember I, I joked because I remember going with camp to OT and I had a good friend in OT, but does anybody here ever like you pray with someone and they're the Lord God prayer warrior? No, some of you are looking at me like, what? but what I mean by that is like they just constantly, and you, Lord God, are powerful, Lord God, and you're faithful, Lord God, and Lord God, Lord God, and they keep saying, has anybody ever do that? Or the scripture quoting prayer warrior? Some of us are like guilty as, all right, and I joke, but honestly, I've probably gone through seasons in my life where I've done a little bit of each of those as we learn to pray, as we learn to get into to God's presence. Uh, but as we get into the word, Ephesians chapter 3, would you open your Bible? We're going to start in verse 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. And what we're doing in this series, for the next couple weeks, we're going to look at specific prayers that heroes of the faith, men like Paul, prayers that they prayed. And what I love about Paul is he didn't pray it safe. See what I did there? Kidding, right? He didn't, but he didn't pray safe prayers. He often prayed, and, and, and not only would things tend to happen, but when Paul prays, I was thinking about this, Paul often mentions something very specific, and he tends to mention, after he mentions something, he tends to mention the results of what will happen when that prayer is lived out. He tends to mention the results of prayer when that prayer is, is lived out through action. Ephesians Chapter 3, verse 19. Let's check this out, church. Are you ready to get into the Word? You know what? Can we just bow our heads and kind of just get into God's presence this morning? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we ask that your Word, your Scripture, God, as we open it and we get into it, God, that you would speak through Scripture today. God, that you would point out specific things, specific areas, things going on in our hearts God, we pray that you would 
bring clarity to things that we are confused about. Lord, we pray that you would bring comfort to things we are scared about and hurting over. And God, we even pray that maybe some of us here, God, that we would even be open to correction from your Holy Spirit, not anything that man says, but God, that your Holy Spirit would convict and point out those areas where we have room to grow. God, we're ready to hear from you in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen. Come on now. So every time Paul prays, we see a few things pop up. We hear them, and we're going to look at this right now. Verse 19, Paul says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's two words. Would you underline, would you circle the words then and you? Actually, would you just turn to someone on your left or right and say, then you? And sometimes Paul says things like, and then. I remember there was a movie where they were like, and then, and then, and they were in a drive-thru, and they said, no, and then. But Paul says, then you, and then. And he says, if you do this, you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. These are kind of some things that tend to jump out off the page when Paul writes. We see these words. Then you will see this happen. So that this will happen. So that you will see Christ dwelling in you. He tends to mention, like I said, Paul tends to mention the end result when he prays. Often when Paul prays, he tends to talk about spiritual growth. Often he's writing to the early church and he, he tends to talk about spiritual maturity. Now, I don't want to like air our dirty laundry too much in church today, but how many of us would agree with this statement that most of our problems in this life, most of them, if they are, especially if they are self-inflicted problems, most of them come from spiritual immaturity. Would anybody agree with that statement this morning or y'all kind of just look at right? When we make poor decisions, oftentimes it's because... We aren't spiritually mature. And very often, that is what Paul is writing and he is a, a, addressing. Um, ha, have you ever heard someone, and, and maybe you've said this, I remember thinking this and it sounds so good when you watch a show like The Bachelor, but have you, or have you ever heard someone say, well, I just feel this. You know, my heart tells me, right? Culturally, we think of a lot of things that sound really good, don't we? And even we, we think of a lot of things that we, we almost think we would assume they would be in Scripture. Things like, you know, follow your heart. You know, trust, trust your judgment, trust your instinct, trust your heart, right? We say things like this all the time, or I feel, where this is my, I, I love this one, this is a new way of saying this, I feel like doing what I want to do, but now we say things like, my truth. I got to let, you know, you do you, you live your truth, and, and that's fine if you're an unbeliever, but if you're a follower of Christ, we have to recognize things that kind of tickle our ears, but they actually aren't scripturally, biblically accurate because here is what we have to realize and every generation in this room you have to realize that everything you feel isn't always accurate you have to realize that everything your heart desires isn't always necessarily healthy right the part of growing in your relationship with Christ is realizing that your feelings are wrong a lot of the time would you write that down this morning Part of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, it's, it's actually realizing that my feelings very often aren't accurate. They can be wrong. They can be manipulated. They can be manipulated by our moods. They can be, manip be manipulated by whatever it is, what our physical situation is. But the Bible is clear that spiritual maturity is God's desire 
for our life. I think it's, it's, it's the overall theme, one of the themes that Paul tends to write about. Any parents, any grandparents in the house, raise your hand, throw up a woo-woo, right? How many of you grandparents love those grandkids, right? Spoil them often, right? Feed them candy and send them home to mom and dad. Parents in the house, we love our kids. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately with my three girls as they, I'm just like shocked how old they are. They're growing and they're changing and they're maturing and they're so cute and they're wonderful. And as much as I love I love and adore my three daughters, and I hope all of us love our kids, right? Somebody has a good chance to say, yeah, most of the time, until they're teenage. No, I'm kidding. But how many of us would agree, if my three amazing girls are living in my house at age 35 and age 25, down in the basement playing video games, I've done, like my spouse and I, we have done something terribly wrong as a parent, if that's the case, right? Children are meant to what? I mean, this is, I, I, I look sometimes this way, I feel for like grandparents, and I'm like, you guys had to walk through this? You had to do this? You had to raise them up and, and let them go, right? But the reality is, if they're still living at home all the time, right, if they're still like, if they aren't maturing, we've done something terribly wrong, because a child that doesn't grow up, could we say it like this, it's just tragic, Right? Think of, think of, my goodness, I'm so thankful diapers are not a thing we do anymore. Right? Parents in the house, right? But we, we think about this in a physical sense, we grow older, but it's possible that like spiritually speaking, we're getting older year by year and we're into a new year so we can think about these things, but it's possible that emotionally and spiritually we're not maturing regardless of whatever generation we are a part of. Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn over a chapter, we're going to jump into verse 11 through 15 today, and uh, I've, I've kind of got a few more different scriptures in different spots than usual, but just jump along and follow along with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Paul is talking about regardless of generation, here is the, a, a key to spiritual growth. Right here, here is a way that we can work on spiritual maturity. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith Right There's another word, this will. It will continue until we all come to such union in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of who? Look at his comparison, right? Like, this is amazing, of Christ. And then verse 14, circle that, underline that, right? Then, here we go, then we, here's, here's the result. If we become more and more like Christ, if we rise up to a mature standard of Jesus, only then will we no longer, look at it, verse 14, be like immature children. I love Paul, right? He's just, so it's, it's clear to say the Ephesians have some spiritual growing up to do, right? Would he be, I don't think he'd be writing this letter if everything was just going so well. It's clear that the early church had some mature maturity to work on. If Paul is praying for it to happen, then clearly it has not yet happened. 
the next verse, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. Here we go. So clever, it sounds like truth. Right? Isn't there a part of us, like when we see things, whether it's on social media or a commercial on television, some things, they just sound so good, like it sounds like it should be true. We kinda, I spoke about them a little bit earlier, but I love how the scripture still is so God-breathed and it's speaking us today. It says, they try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like truth. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in what? This is important. Make sure we don't leave that part out, right? Sometimes we speak the truth with anything but love. We speak the truth with anything but wisdom. We speak the truth with anything but timing. We just, you know, how many of you know sometimes speaking the truth is important, but if you love someone, you, you, you figure out the most effective way to share that truth, right? Growing in every way, more and more, look at this repetition, folks, more and more like who? So we talked about spiritual growth. We talked about last week about praying powerful prayers. Today we're talking about praying and growing in our walk with the Lord. Really, Paul gives us the key. He says, growing in every way to be more like who? Christ. More and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. The, the main objective in all of the different, like we are very much so, I believe, like we, we, we do events pretty well at Cornerstone. Right, Saturday's going to be an amazing time of medical outreach, and those things are important. Those things are so important. But the, the main objective of every church body, it shouldn't necessarily be events or different things, and, and it shouldn't always be numbers, although numbers count and numbers do matter, but the objective according to Scripture is health, right? If we are maturing, we are growing to be more and more healthy looking like Jesus the Son of God. A healthy church, it's looking more like Christ, and the Bible says, because he's the head of what? He's the head of the body. He's the head of the church. So let's look at three quick ways. If you're ready for me, would you write a few of these down? Number one, would you write this down? How do we grow spiritually? How do we grow in our prayer life? How do we grow and mature like Paul is talking about here? Well, here's the first one. We grow by consuming God's word. We grow, quite simply, by consuming the word of God. Ephesians 4, verse 12, their responsibility, he says this, this is like the pastors, the elder, right? He says, it's equip God's people to do his work. Build up the church, the body of Christ. One of the ways we grow is by getting into God's word. And, and, and so often, I was talking in, in like, we had like a, a leader small group this week, and, and we were talking about one of the greatest ways, when people say, you know, how do you hear from the Lord? I'll just be really, really blunt and really, really honest. If I'm not in God's word studying, often I, if I'm not opening up scripture, I don't hear from God very often. I don't. Like sometimes we overthink it. We're like, how do I hear? I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. Well, are you just, are you, are you opening, are you getting a verse a day? Are you getting a page a day? Or are you just coming on, on, on Sundays while Sundays are, are, are so important? But think of the method that we use. Like we even, we read it. We listen, that's what we're doing right now, it's important, we teach it, we hear it often, we kind of pick out, you know, that, that point really was for me. We like to think about or talk about our favorite, favorite subject, that was for me today, that was for me today, but often we get into this, this bad habit, like, I like the message, that really spoke to me, right? 
and then we just tend to forget. You know, one of the most depressing statistics I think a, a, a public speaker or a pastor can think of, do you know that within, I wrote this down, within 72 hours we forget 95% of almost everything we hear. How many of us are like, oh, within 72 hours we forget 95% of everything we hear. Right, And so often we talk about scripture, and, and, and if, if we aren't getting into God's word, you know what's interesting is the enemy knows God's word. Do we know that? I always think like when the enemy tempted Jesus, and I love what Jesus did when he, when he spoke to him, right? The enemy, enemy tempted him. He said, man, if you're so powerful, just jump and, and send your angels, send your heavenly armies, right? He tempted him with, with turning the, the stone into bread, and, and Jesus' response, I always remember this, Jesus said what? He said, it is written. Remember his response to the enemy when he encountered it? It is written. It's written in scriptures. A person does not live by bread alone, but by everything God says. And if we aren't careful, while Sundays, I believe, are the best day of the week, obviously we love football, but that's only like four months a year, right? Sunday, year-round, is the best day of the week. But imagine... Um, if you're in town for a conference or a convention and, and you want to hit up one of the greatest buffets in Las Vegas, where would you go? I don't know. Maybe Caesar's Palace. There's a good one there. But imagine, like, so, so often spiritually we do this a little bit where it's like we go and on a Sunday we will hit up the greatest buffet in town, the Bakshanal Buffet at Caesar's Palace, and we get some crab legs and some steak, and we get everything on a Sunday. But imagine if that is the only meal we eat all week long. You're going to be good till probably tomorrow night, maybe tomorrow afternoon, but definitely by Tuesday, by Wednesday, you're going to be struggling, and so often spiritually, that's what we do. We don't just get a little, we need, we need a little bit every day in order to have the strength. Number two, would you write this down? How do we grow spiritually? We grow when we practice God's word. Uh, we grow through habits. Ephesians 4, verse 15, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, to be more like Christ. I've said this before when I, when I, uh, when I teach, but you know, whenever you, you, you run into someone that is really good at their job, whenever you watch someone at a, a sport that is like the highest of the highest level, oftentimes the, the key to their success is, is actually very, very simple. They are usually very, very consistent in small areas where other people aren't. It's, not a, it's, it's very often not some, some, some big, big secret, right? I, I like to think like, man, I love to give. I love to, to, to be generous with people. I love to tip people at restaurants, whatever it is. But if I don't practice generosity all the time, if I just decide, you know, I'm only going to be generous around Christmas. I'm only going to be, right? If we don't practice it, if we, we develop good habits through repetition, John 13, 17, now you know these things, and the Bible says you will be blessed if you do them, right? Bible says you will be blessed if you put your faith into action, repetition, practice, doing it over and over again. I think it's why it's so important that even like four pillars of spiritual growth, we could break it down simply by saying, look, we need to meet with everybody. The Bible even talks about meeting in the temple courts. We need to meet on a weekly basis. It's what we're doing right now, right? It's why we think like you're here because you value being in God's house on a Sunday. We need to not forsake that in a culture that just says, you know what, I'll watch online or I'll do whatever. That's a great filler. But you know what's interesting to me is there, there's nobody there online to challenge you. 
We just lost all of our online viewers. I'm sorry. Come back. Come back. No, it's, it's not meant to be the main event, right? It's okay if, you, if you're out of town. It's okay if you're in the hospital. Please watch online. Check in with us, right? But how can you practice patience with someone if you get to just sit at home and be by yourself? How do you practice sharing your needs with someone if you just, you know, how, how, do, we, how do you practice praying for healing with someone? Like so many things we're unable to do if we just kind of consume it one way. The, the habit of meeting together as a small group, you know, like weekly you can meet with someone for coffee and just talk scripture. You can meet with someone, you can meet in a small group. The habit of having alone time, I would say, man, like four pillars of spiritual growth, meeting together on a Sunday, meeting weekly in a small group, a daily habit of getting alone with God and memorizing God's word. I mean, goodness, that's like four points within point number two. Number three, final thing this morning, and we're going to get ready to uh, close in, in just a moment. Number three, and I think this is one of the hardest things for us to do culturally, and maybe it's because information is so easily accessible, maybe because we, we can access information at the tip of a, 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 right on a phone, but number three, we grow when we share our faith. Whoa, that's a tough one, isn't it? We grow when we share our faith. There's a very short letter, and, and maybe you could, could you turn to this book in the Bible, and would you, I want to encourage you, maybe read it this week. We're going to finish with this section of Scripture. We're kind of jumping through the New Testament today. But there's a book called Philemon, and if you can't find it, it's like one page, right? It's, it's easy to miss. It's in the New Testament. It's called Philemon. It's a very short letter, a little background on this letter. Paul wrote it to a man named... Take a guess. Philemon. Yeah, man, we're a smart crowd today. But I, I find it interesting because this particular letter, it's not written to a group. Uh, it's not written to a church, as Paul so often does. It's not written to a city. It's not to address a, 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 a church in a city or whatever it is. But it's written to a singular person. It's written, actually, to an old friend. It's written to an acquaintance. It's written to a man named Philemon. We know about Philemon. He's a wealthy businessman. The Bible says he was wealthy enough to, to and he, was, he had a large enough home that he would host, uh, he would have church in his house every week. And there's a, a bit of a, a backstory on this one, and, and here's what it is. There's a man named Onesimus, and Onesimus is, is one of his slaves. So in this time, the, they, they owned slaves at the time. Uh, this slave's name was Onesimus, and the Bible says he ran all the way to Rome. Now, when we think of this, because you, you might be new to church, you're like, oh my goodness, this, this guy's a Christian. And Now, they did own slaves in that time. It was very different. It was very different than the atrocities that in our Western uh, American culture was very different than what we see. It was very different. You could actually be out of work and you could volunteer to go be a slave for someone and you could work off your debt. So it's very different than, our, than, than just the, can we say it, the wickedness of what we've experienced in our country. Although I don't, I don't, right? So as we get into this, this slave's name was Onesimus, but nevertheless, he, he ran away. The Bible says he ran all the way to Rome. We don't know exactly how this happened or why, but as God often does, <laughs> Onesimus runs into a man named Paul, right? Of all people, he runs into a man named Paul. And of course, what does Paul do? 
And what you're going to find in this verse is Paul leads this man to Christ, and he's transformed, he's totally changed. And Onesimus tells Paul, he says, Paul, I've got to go back home. I've got to go back home to Philemon. I've got to make this right. I've got to explain myself. And, 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 and in that culture, if he, he could have been killed for going back home. And so Paul jumps in. Paul gets involved. He writes a letter to his friend Philemon. And he basically would say it like this in Las Vegas terms. He, he vouches for Philemon. He gets, he, gets, he gets ready. He starts writing a letter on behalf of uh, he, he vouches to Philemon for Onesimus. He gets ready to write, write a letter. Let's look at this letter, verse 4 through 6 of Philemon. Here we go. Philemon, I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. How many of you know Paul is Paul's a smart man when he writes? Right? How many of you know it's like he's writing with a mission? He doesn't just come out with the ask right away. Because he's like, man, this man Onesimus has been useful to me. I, he's, been, he's been a missionary with me. I can use this guy for God's kingdom. But Paul doesn't come out and just say what he wants. But he's going to get to it. Are you ready for this? So, I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for what? Somebody say, all the saints. And kind of verse 6 he says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And then here we go, underline that, so that, right? Why should we share our faith? And Paul says, here's why you need to share your faith. So that, and then, right, you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. As we get ready to close this morning, verse 6 is really interesting to me. Um, I've read this this letter that Paul writes to Philemon before, but a few things stood out to me this week as I was just studying God's word. Because Paul is always filling his letters with what? He's filling his letters with greetings. He's filling his letters with uh, goals. He's filling his letters with encouragement. Sometimes Paul fills his letters with corrections, very often. He throws a little bit of that in there, like he's the coach. He's, he's the Belichick, he's a tough coach. But he says, I pray you will be active in sharing your faith. Here's a question. Would you write this in your notes? Why, why did Paul pray this? I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith, Philemon. Why would Paul include this in his letter? Why did, I was thinking about this. Why did he say this? And he says, so you will have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. And I think about this, I wonder, what are the odds of, how many of you have ever just ran into someone in another state, in another city? I, I've been at Disneyland where you run in, you're like, of all places, we ran into someone in this spot, right? What are the odds in a different country, Paul running into this man, Onesibus? And I, I think this, we don't know how he got saved, but I think it probably was something like typical Paul. And he probably got to talking to this man, Onesimus, and they're just chatting, and Paul probably was like, man, you know what, I used to hate those Christians too. He probably, like, he probably was just real with them. I hated them so much that I was like after them. I'd send them back to Jerusalem to be stoned. Like, Paul was probably, he probably was just that open with his past. And there was something about his story, I bet you, that caused Onesimus to come to Jesus, to come to Christ. And Paul probably said something like, man, I hated those Christians, but then I had this, I had this encounter on the road, Onesimus. Let me tell you how I met Jesus. I had this encounter. I couldn't see, and I came, right? You need to know, Onesimus, about this Jesus. And I think there's something, something we, don't, we don't know, something happened in his life, this runaway slave 
who's committed a crime against his master. And here's what happened. This transformed man informs Paul that, hey, I used to work for somebody that you know. I know this guy, Philemon. And this story is so interesting to me because here's, here's what I think. Somehow Paul finds out that Onesimus worked for him. And I think what happened is he goes, wait a minute. You work for Philemon and you don't know Christ? There it is, right? Light bulb went off to me. I think Paul's sitting there in Rome and he goes, wait, you worked for Philemon who has a house church who's wealthy and successful and doing great things for God's kingdom. And Paul's probably scratching his head in Rome going, wait a minute, you haven't heard about Jesus. Right? Could it be, I think, that Paul, as he writes this letter, he goes, Philemon, I hear about your awesome church. He writes a letter to a friend. How many of you have a friend you can be, like, honest with? Anybody? And Paul is brutally honest in this this letter. He goes, Philemon, I hear about your amazing love. I hear about what you're doing in the church. Philemon, I hear about how you love the saints and you care for them in your church, Philemon. But he's like, think of how we could take this statement. He, I think Paul is like, Philemon, you are so good at loving Christians. Right? But think of how we could say the same words with a different tone. And I think this might be what God would say to us today. Philemon, you're so good at loving Christians. Do we see the difference? He's like, Philemon, you're so good at loving Christians. No, 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 no. You're so good at loving Christians, Philemon, that you've forgotten to share your faith, especially with those that are working for you, those that you see every single day that are working with you. You've forgotten to share your faith because you're so good at loving the people who think like you, who talk like you, who look like you. Philemon, you've forgotten to share what Jesus has done in you and how he's changed you. He says, Philemon, look at the end of this verse. I pray that you will what? Continue to share your faith. I think, I think Paul knew a very easy trap to fall into if you follow Christ. A very dangerous place for us to be, and we've all been in this place. Maybe some of us are in this place right now, but it's a place where we get so inward looking, we get so used to loving people that think, act, talk, worship, lift their hands, all of the things that do it, they do it like us, that we we get so inward looking that we forget to look and connect and love people that are far from God. I think that's what Paul was so amazing at, right? We find it, we get so used to judging people that are far from God, instead of looking for ways to connect with them, instead of looking for ways to connect them to God, it's just so easy to kind of judge what they're doing, right? Y'all are looking at me, but that's rough, right? Philemon, you're so good at loving Christians. Instead of reaching out, Philemon, are you living on mission? Or are you hiding in your house church? Right? Philemon, are you living on mission? Or are you retreat and hiding your faith? Because it's like sometimes as Christians, we develop this habit of like, stay away from the world. Stay away from the R-rated movie. Stay away from that park. Stay away from those people. Right? We get really good at that. 
Stay away from those non-Christians instead of having an attitude like Paul that's just like, go, go, go. Paul is saying, Philemon, don't back down. Don't hide your light. Don't keep playing it safe in your house, church, right? But we have this problem that's dangerous. It's like we just get so inward looking. And, and, and you know what we do? We've done, we, we get so caught up in arguing over stupid things in church that our solution is oftentimes when we argue over something in church, often what we do is we just have arguments and conflicts and then we start another church and the process repeats itself for years and years and years. And Paul is like, you know what? Just be active in sharing your faith. Think of this as we close. What was the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven? Um, I'm pretty sure it wasn't go hide in your house Go, go talk with everyone who thinks like you. Go move to a location where everybody believes like you. No, no, no. You know what Jesus said? He said, go into the world, preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of them. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You're a city on a hill. You are light in darkness. You don't run from darkness, but you go into darkness and you shine God's light, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the way he, he phrased it. But we talk about spiritual growth. We talk about growing our, our faith. I love this translation in, in Jeremiah chapter 29. And this is probably in your handout, but I usually don't read from the message translation. But there's a verse, Jeremiah 29, 13. I want you to hear this scripture really quick. But I, I love the way it speaks to me in everyday language right here. Here's what it says, when you come looking for me, you will find me. And then he says this, yes, when you get serious about finding me, and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. And I'll say it like this, I think God's saying this to us, church, today. He's saying this for 2023 and years to come. When you want God more than anything else, you will share that more than anything else. Come on, someone, right? right, right write that in your, right? When you love God, right? Why, why, like, what is it you're texting? What joke is it you're sending? Who is it you're making fun of? No, 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 no. When you love God more than anything else, you will share that more than anything else. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we thank you today for this time and this moment in your word. And God, we pray that you would encourage us, strengthen us, build our faith up. We ask that you would help us to be a community that is active in sharing faith, not active in tearing people down, tearing leadership down, things that we don't agree with or like and becoming complainers. But God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into opportunity after opportunity to share the news of Jesus with people we encounter, not next year, next month. No, no, no. We pray that you'd give us an opportunity with someone we encounter today, God. Someone we encounter this week, an appointment you have for us. God, give us spiritual vision to get out of our own conversations. And God, help us to see those appointments that we might have been missing. Here's what I want to ask us to do. I want to ask for this action today. Would you just, if, if you just feel like, you know what, God, I need to share the love of Christ with someone. God, I need to share my story with someone. It's great that you love Christians in church. 
but we aren't the only people we're supposed to hang out with. Would you just lift your hand and would you commit to that to this week? Say, God, this week, open my eyes to see an opportunity to share Jesus. If that's you, like, it's, that, I think that should be all of our hearts. God, this week, help me not, I don't need to share a political joke. God, I don't need to share a frustration. I need to share Jesus because if it matters the most, that's what I should talk about the most. It might be an appointment at work. It might be an opportunity while driving. It might be a, a moment of patience you have on the road with someone who loses it. It might be someone that annoyed you in a line at the grocery store. It could be today at lunch. God, help me to see what you see. Help me to comfort someone. God, help me to reach someone in sin. Help me to stop expecting a sinner to think like me, but God, help me to share the love of Christ. Help me to share my story. Help me to talk about how you changed me. In Jesus' name. That, if, if you follow Christ, I believe that is a mission for each of us this week. Would you lift your hand and would you just believe that, accept that? Would you say, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to look for that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Some of you might be here today and you might say, you know what, um, you keep talking about living on mission. You keep talking, Joey, about sharing a story, sharing what Jesus has done. But you might be here today and you might be like, you know what, I don't have a spiritual story. I don't have a spiritual story to share with anyone. I, I don't really, I can't really relate to what you're talking about. Maybe you're here today, and I want to just say this, is maybe you showed up to church and you don't know how you got here, you don't know why you're here, you didn't even want to be here, and that's okay. Maybe you're here today because your spiritual story is about to start. You're not a church person, you're not the religious type, you don't even know why you showed up. Maybe you're here today and you veered off in your high school years, your college years, Maybe you veered off in a marriage. Whatever it is, you might be addicted, you might be broken, you might be lost, you might be scared, you might be hurting. Things around you might be just falling apart. But I want to say this. There's somebody here that this is a story for you. Your spiritual journey, your story can begin if you just recognize that you have a need for saving. If you just recognize that you have a need for saving, recognize that your lifestyle your opinions, your approach, your addictions, your sin isn't working. In fact, it's not working. It's actually crushing you, and you need saving. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I, I love you so much in all that dirtiness and all that brokenness that I want to take you back in. I went to the cross to forgive you. The Bible says that he died, he rose again, and on the third day, why? So that anyone, if you call on the name of Jesus, you would be saved. You would be saved, you would be forgiven, you would be transformed, you would be made new. If that sounds like a good deal, I want to invite you to just lift your hand. I'm just going to count to three, and if you say, you know what, I want to acknowledge Jesus, I want to be made new in this house, one of the ways we do it, we just simply lift our hand. We just lift our hand, we just lift our eyes. If that's you this morning, and you want to acknowledge Jesus, would you just begin to lift your hand in this house? One, two, and three. Go ahead and lift them up if that's you. I see you over there. Anybody over this way? I see you back in the back. I see you over there, young man. Anybody else over here? I see you right here. Amen. This morning as we close, can we just all close and celebrate and have a word of prayer? God, we acknowledge you in this house. Would you just repeat after me, church? Jesus, I open my life to you. I ask you to be my Savior. Forgive me and guide me. 
I believe you went to that cross, that you were forsaken, and you took my shame. You died, you were buried, you rose again. The Bible says that you were seated in the heavenlies to the right hand of the Father, God in heaven, and you are making a way for us today. God, help us to focus on your word. Help us to focus my life on your love. God, help us to trust you. Thank you for making us new. And Lord, help each of us in this room to share that story of not ourselves and not our goodness and not anything we have done, but God, help us to share the greatest news that we have to share, and that is the love of Jesus with someone. Can someone say amen? Can we applaud him? Can we praise him? Can we thank him today? Amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.